My name is James, uh, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, so I did uh, write a few things down in case it's, it's 25 minutes, so in case I get lost. But what came to my mind was the fact that it's Thanksgiving. It's the meeting after Thanksgiving. And um, I thought about my first Thanksgiving here, which was five years ago in New York. I have a friend who's... Um, married to an American Italian and um, she invited me to, to their house and it's a big family event and all I could really think about was what kind of food was I going to eat at this event that, that was really it I mean I was super excited about the food and I didn't know that that's what was turning me on about, about that experience but it was the food <clears throat> my friend obviously knew me a little better than I knew myself at that time because she said, now listen, there's going to be hors d'oeuvres to begin with. Pace yourself. <laughs> and I was like, what, why would I need to pace myself? Well, she was right. I mean, this, this meal went hors d'oeuvres. It then took a little break. And then it went into a pasta course. It then went into two different types of turkey with all the trimmings. Then there was a little break, and then it went into dessert. And I was full by the time hors d'oeuvres was over. But not full enough to stop eating the pasta, the turkey, and the dessert. You know, and then here there's this tradition of take the food home. So I was like, well, I can't eat again today, but I'll definitely take it in Tupperware. <laughs> and by the time I got home... I ate some more. I couldn't help myself. Um, and that isn't, that isn't the worst. It's just an example of what it was like. Um, I mean, I probably started um, messing around with food when I was no older than two years. Um, you know, being in program has, has made me realize, like, I actually restricted... Before I, before I was a compulsive overeater. I restricted. My parents uh, struggled with each other to begin with at the beginning of their relationship and I was pretty close to the beginning of their relationship. They didn't know how to be together. And it was, it was reasonably tumultuous. It was never physically violent, but there was just a lot of raised voices. It seemed a lot of unhappiness, a lot of threat of divorce. And um, I decided I didn't want to eat. And I would, I would literally restrict my food. There was a thing about textures. I, I have a, still have a thing around food and textures. And there are some textures that still to this day make me gag. I don't know why, but they do. But in this instance, I saw me not eating and the power that had over other people. I mean, the fear that people had about me not eating at two years old was quite incredible. You know, and suddenly they were together trying to get me to eat. And so there was some kind of like, oh, that's interesting. That's a that's pretty powerful place to be from people who are arguing all the time to actually coming together to be with me. Uh, and I mean, it caused all sorts of arguments in my family. My, my mother's mother just couldn't understand how you couldn't force a child to eat. And then on the other side, my father's mother, who was more, much more maternal, much, much more maternal, I would eat for her. So I would go to her house 
and this is where I can see the compulsive eating side of things she would place me in front of the television which was great I loved that and she would just make me food all of the foods that I liked so honestly a lot of the foods that I'm now abstinent from toast rounds of toast with jelly and this shit that we have at home called Marmite so it was a sweet and salt thing that I really like um, cereal bowls of it so from going to home of not eating and then being with my grandmother and eating and eating and eating until I had that feeling which I've now realized is well over full well well over full um, I guess in one sense I was fortunate I was very active as a child so they sort of balanced each other out for a while. I didn't eat and then I ate and then I would do exercise to work it off. But somehow that actually got in there that like at some point I learned that exercising was a way to counteract the amount that I was eating. Um, so at around eight years old, now that I look at it, I, reali I, I realized that I was attracted to men and I was already picking up that that was unacceptable and I don't know if that I don't really feel that that was with my family but it was definitely unacceptable in, in the society I was from I'm from a small island obviously not from here um, in the UK and it's a 45 square mile island so it's just like a village surrounded by sea really is what it is not many people I mean, 90,000, something like that. But you all went to these different... And it all started in primary school. Like, elementary school was... It had already started. So at eight, I was already being called gay. And I didn't know, I didn't know why that that was a bad thing. Um, I was already being called a girl. I was already being left, at, left out as I saw it. I was already going to the people that were going to leave me out for for some kind of support, emotional support. They were the wrong people to be going to. They could never accept me for who I was. But I was going there. And the rejection I put myself through was, was huge. And the emotional, the emotions that came up from that were huge. But I had a friend. And the friend was food. I mean, it really was. I, I, the, if I think about the compulsive side of, of my eating and how I use that to counteract feelings I mean there is a story of me at home maybe four or five years old less parents couldn't find me where was I and embarrassingly they found me at my next door neighbor's house where I had broken into their what they called the tuck box so it's this huge thing full of chocolate just full of it and I apparently had the, bo the lid open and literally <coughs> Um, rappers all around me that was just it like four or five years old there I am already compulsively overeating for something so that, that's, that's pretty much what I did the, the foods that come into my mind are things like pizza, lasagna and then, and then the sweet stuff I mean the sweet stuff was really there chocolate was a huge huge part of my life in the UK and it wasn't, you know, one bar, it was five, five in a day, spread out, but not really. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're buying two chocolate bars at one time, and I would watch people who would buy a chocolate bar, snap a little piece off, eat it, put it in their, put it in their pocket for later. 
And I just, it was, it, that is incomprehensible. I don't understand it. But that's part of the disease too. You know, that is actually a normal way to behave with food. It can be a normal way to behave, but it wasn't about the food. It never has been. So when I was, I mean, this, all at home, that's fine. And it was all about, it, it really did start centering around my sexuality was unacceptable. Therefore, I was unacceptable. And the, the substance I used to deal with me being unacceptable and the feelings that came up was food and sugar. So, I mean, there was, some, there was a limited amount of control at home because I, I was being watched still. So then I moved away from home. I moved to London and uh, I lived with, with roommates. And my, it, was, it, was pre- it was pretty bad now that I think about it. I mean, that's where buying packets of cookies and eating the, the box of cookies happened. That's where buying pints of ice cream and eat, eating the pint happened. Um, I was talking to a fellow yesterday and he was, he was like, well, I mean, I never used to take the lid off and keep it to put it back on. And I was like, yeah, it went right in the trash because I knew the pint was going down. So what would I keep the lid for? Um, and again, so I went to a performing arts college and that is really, there's a little earlier than that. I mean, I did gymnastics when I was younger that does something to your body. Physically, it does something to your body. And people were attracted to that already. And I knew that there was a tension that I could get from being physically attractive in terms of society, whatever that means. So then when I got to a performing arts college and it seemed to be 80% about that, it was like, okay, go off there and dance and do this and act and sing, but actually, what you look like is going to get you a job. And that suddenly became like, oh, shit, well, I've, I've got to, okay, I've got to do something. And I was, now I can see, I was really fighting with home time food, college time, just trying to do the best I could. And I mean, we're talking about five hours of dance a day, and I was still, I was still a lot bigger than I am now. So that sort of gives you an idea of the amount of food I was eating to keep me at a certain weight at, at, in that situation. Um, and then, and then the, the messages that are going on about what one needs to look like. And it's, it, it is pretty insane. Um, and what, I, what I've noticed since too is I had a girlfriend. She had an eating disorder. I forced myself into that relationship. I continued that relationship because that was the only way I could believe I was acceptable. And we, I would go and visit her at the weekends and we would binge together. Now I know that's what that, what that is. She'd be anorexic and then when I came there, she would binge and I would binge. We'd binge on the same food. No idea that that was insanity. No idea. Um, and I've looked at my other relationships and all apart from the one that I'm in now had an eating disorder. So just sort of coming together at certain times where we were restricting or eating or restricting or eating or one of us was restricting and the other one was fucking angry with that one because they weren't eating what I was eating and now I feel guilty about it. You, all of that, that's going on the whole time, so much of my life up until coming into program got to be spent on what am I eating, shouldn't I be eating, am I eating that, no I shouldn't eat it, I look like this, I'm fat, I'm disgusting, I mean insanity. 
So then I did another geographic, and I'm trying to think, that was five years ago. So I did a geographic in September of 2012. And part of it was I really wanted to be here. I really, really wanted to be in the US, and I um, went to New York first. But that almost put another layer on it. I didn't have any friends there, bar one, this one that I went to Thanksgiving with. Um, and it was so lonely. I had no idea it was going to be like that. I don't know what I expected. I think I expected that I would just transplant myself from one place to another and life would carry on as it was. And it's not the same. The culture is different. So there was a learning of that. There was, I'm not, I'm pretty socially awkward. So putting myself into positions with new people is terrifying. It, it turns out it's absolutely terrifying. So what did I use to combat that? I'm the person who stands at the food table at a party and just literally stands there and does small talk with people. Almost, um, now, it must have looked like I was protecting the food table. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I was literally stood like this. Food table's here. I have one ex at least one experience, but one experience where I <laughs> stood there, eaten, eaten, eaten some more, and someone I did not know came to me and said, so, what's good on this table? You've eaten everything. <laughs> so, he wasn't wrong, you know. I had, I tried everything. But also, pe people are watching. People see that. Um, and still, I didn't, I didn't really know. But when I, so when I moved here, it was... It really was the, uh, 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 a reasonably quick progression to becoming unmanageable. And I say quick, it took me about three years. I, I then moved from New York to here. Um, I got with a modeling agency for the first time ever. <sighs> there are rooms that you walk into and you could have the best body in the world as one perceives it and it will never ever be enough because someone has a better body than you and the kind of restriction I had to take part in to have that body the kind of I was I was counting macros and I was eating only twice a day but huge meals like specifically huge meals but the same meals for I probably did it for eight months the thing was I saw my body change but after six weeks, I couldn't do it. So I'm eating these huge meals, and then I'm starting to eat on the outside. So I'm starting to I'm, I'm starting to gain weight, and I couldn't I could not carry that on. Um, at its worst, it was weighing myself four times a day, being furious with myself that I'd put on weight, and I would weigh myself after I'd eaten. I mean, that's insane. What kind of self-punishment is that? Um, and then the disgust with myself that I couldn't stick to this, this diet is what it was. Um, and then the, the insanity of, okay, well, I'll stick to it tomorrow. In actual fact, I know how many macros I've got to try and change around here so that tomorrow still makes me fit in with what I've eaten today which then by four o'clock I would be eating something outside of the program which meant that I had to do the same thing the next day. 
uh, until I then finally lived alone. I'd screwed up the, the macro plan and I was binging probably four or five times a week and going through that same process of five. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. Five minutes. Oh, wow. Um, until I was uh, eating so much, I uh, binging so much that I really wanted to have control, but I, I just didn't. So my, my current boyfriend 12-stepped me. Um, uh, the kindest thing he could have done, he suggested that my, my uh, treatment of food was the same as his treatment of another substance. And for once I wasn't willful and I wasn't angry about it, I was actually curious because I couldn't really deal with my brain anymore. Um, so I, I, I looked up a meeting, I went to a meeting, I thought this definitely isn't for me. And the next day I was like, well maybe it's for me. And the next day I was like, well I'll go to another meeting. And that's pretty much how it started. I quickly got a sponsor. Uh, she turned out to be a temporary sponsor. She was really wonderful. Um, and I was straight in, no sugar, no flour. That's what I was gonna do because I was actually bothered about my weight, not about the fact that I was eating. I just wanted to control what this looked like. So no sugar, no flour for eight days. And then I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And thankfully I was in the meetings and I was becoming aware of like people talking about powerlessness. And this one instance that reminds me of my powerlessness was sitting on the couch with all this food, watching television, putting the food to my mouth, in my head being like, I'm not gonna eat it and, and eating it anyway. That struggle of full powerlessness. Like I'm not gonna eat this but I ate it. Um, so she was so sweet, she was so kind, and she said, that's fine, don't worry, that's good, we know where you are, so what can you do for today? And what I could promise, or at least what I could commit to, not promise, commit to, for that day was that I wouldn't binge, just for 24 hours. And then the next day I didn't binge for 24 hours. And the day after that I didn't binge for 24 hours. And I have been abstinent from binging for two and a half years. I, and my abstinence has changed and expanded and grown, you know, as I've been able to accept, oh yeah, this food isn't the best for me. I've been able to add it. Um, sugar, sugar took a while. It was pretty much my substance of choice. And it took me until February of this year to recognize I didn't want that anymore. You know, it was another way for me to check out. It was another way for me to not be present with people. And that's not always, it's not always been easy. I remember when I first said I was gonna do it, I cried. I cried because that's my friend. That's the one that's been with me the whole time. Yet, if I was honest, that wasn't really working for me anymore. So, I'm currently on step four. It's taken me a while. Um, but this program has changed my life. One day at a time, I don't have the urge to binge. I actually don't have the urge for sugar. It's, it's, it, I don't know how it happens and I don't care how it happens. I'm just grateful that it happened and that it happens on a daily basis. And I do recommit to that on a daily basis. I commit to being abstinent around my food and I commit to being abstinent from sugar on a daily basis. I write on a daily basis when I get out of bed because my thoughts it's not worth it. 
going the day without without writing something at the beginning of the day it's just not it's not the same day so just get that shit out that's there because it's working right from the very beginning as soon as I wake up and then prayer connecting with a power greater than myself you know my will is because I didn't have faith that somebody or something or some greater being could deal with this for me and the truth is my finding is that when I have faith my higher power is there for me always in actual fact how did I get in this room I didn't have very much faith I have to say and I got in this room um, my I w- so I know we talk about service but I, the way that I learned about self-compassion because that was what I'm, I still miss it a lot of the time but it, it is growing self-love is through how my sponsor has treat, treated me I have gone to him with all sorts of things around food, terrified. I've waited a week, two weeks to tell him behaviours around my food because I'm, I'm, I'm frightened. I'm frightened. I've never exposed myself that way before. And that rigorous honesty around food has enabled me to be rigorously honest. Thank you, I'll wrap up. Has enabled me to be rigorously honest in my life. So every time I go to him, there's never a judgement on it. There is just compassion. And I'm realizing, I can do that. I can do that. And that's my higher power showing me how to be with myself. So, really I am so grateful for this program. I'm so grateful to be relieved one day at at a time from this disease, from this addiction. Um, And I'm really grateful to be here too. Thank you. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. It says, if being recorded, please restate the question after it is asked. Uh, so personal boundaries and how that's been applied in my recovery so uh, well uh, getting rid of removing food from from my addiction has really helped me see has really helped me see behaviors that I have and certain certain things that I couldn't see when I was eating and um, I guess one that I spoke about before is about rigorous honesty. I have, I have a real thing around that. I, I already had a value for honesty, I just wasn't partaking in it. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the truth is that the rigorous honesty around food has really helped me be rigorously honest in my life. And I also noticed that if I'm not rigorously honest around food, even for a couple of days, I start seeing it pulling at threads in other areas of my life. Like if I haven't been honest around that, then maybe it's okay for me 
to be more gentle around this. So another thing I guess that that leads to saying what I mean and, and meaning what I say and being okay with whatever comes up from the other person and for myself. What someone else thinks of me, this is something my sponsor says all of the time because I am so worried about it. What someone else thinks of me is none of my business. And that's probably one of the hardest things to deal with. And yet when I start laying a personal boundary around that and asking a higher power for guidance and help, that's a huge part of it. Not relying on my own self to deal with situations. So I suppose another boundary there is taking a breath and waiting for guidance. And if guidance isn't there, don't do anything. My conception of God and a higher power. So uh, this program has actually led me into another program. Um, and like I said, it's taken me it's taken me two and a half years to really get I'm a, I'm a, I'm pretty much ready to do step five. Um, but I've had a while with and I needed it. I was I was brought up in the Church of England, which I, I think is Anglican here. Yes, Anglican Protestant is what I grew up in. And that idea of God for me was not acceptable. It, um, and so when I first came into the rooms, the God vision, whatever that was, was this guy who was waiting to judge me in a place where only good people went. Um, and it was really not helpful. You know, I thought I was judged for my sexuality. I thought that really there was not much point because I was going to go to hell. Um, so the concept now, you know, I really don't have a picture of some being. That isn't really what the concept is for me. The concept is something a bit more, um, I guess a bit more expansive, a bit more universal. Um, and yet, there's no judgment there. There's compassion there's love, unconditional. Um, and it's interesting, sometimes I do need, I need, I need a hug, I need to be held. And in those times, there is more of a feeling of a being. But that to me is just even more of what the possibility of what a higher power is, that that, that universal power can be anything I want it to be and still is loving and unconditional I think those are hugely important things for me and really you know I've started to see my higher power in my fellows in what people say when I have when I have an issue and I go to somebody who is trusted it's not coming from here this is not this is not really uh, worthwhile for myself but I can see God work through the people that I'm around. I can see a higher power work and I, and I do my best to listen to that rather than listen to this when it's very loud. 
so that I, I guess it, it feels like it's such a that, that seems like such a huge question um, and that's probably as much as I've got to answering it as I have right now So the question is, how does somebody get a British accent who doesn't have one? And the second question, <laughs> the second question is, how does my overeating um, or the program, how has that affected my relationship with my significant other? So the first question is, I've got a re- really good dialect coach. <laughs> and the second answer is, so this morning, uh, I pulled the, the, the water filter out of the fridge. This is one of my habits, which is obviously very irritating to my partner. I poured myself some water, and there was about an inch left in, and I put it back in the fridge. <laughs> and he turned to me and he went, is that empty? Now, <laughs> you're not my parent. So that's where I go, right? That's exactly where I go. I want to flip that middle finger. And so I literally held the wa- I got the water jug back out, showed him the inch so it wasn't empty, <laughs> held it at him like this. We looked at each other for about 10 seconds, like what's going to happen? And then I put it back in the fridge and I sat down. The, the growth is what I wanted to do was lose it that is what that is my willfulness unchecked is to turn around and say how fucking dare you what are you telling me to do you are not my parent Um, there were all sorts of things flashing through my brain and as I'm sitting here all of them inappropriate they're just in it's not necessary you know and program has taught me for all of it whether it's the food I want the food I want the food so badly take a breath Take a breath and don't do anything. If you still want the food in 20 minutes, we'll talk about it. Sit down. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. If you still want to lose it in 20 minutes, we'll talk about it. And I, thankfully I had to come here. I didn't lose it. He didn't wish me luck, which I'm annoyed about. <laughs> but you know... That might be the one thing that I will be able to take back to him, not in a sensible, reasonable manner, rather than the thing that's going to make us fall out for the rest of the day. Because that, that can happen. And then, we, then I have to go through, shit, now I have to say sorry, I don't want to do that. Then there's all, It's just such a waste of time. So I would say taking a breath and not doing anything really for 20 minutes. That's really helpful in my relationship. Sometimes I can do it. Sometimes it's never happening and I I just lose it and it's a mess. But that's still progress on losing it every single time. So thank you, James. Um, I wonder, when you said you talked about your weight being different even though you've always danced and realized that the food was so... When you got back to, let's say, a body that you were pleased with, 
how did you, how do you, how did you deal with the attention? It's like consistent, persistent attention. Mm. Did you experience that? So the question is that once I got back to the body that I was happy with, how did I deal with the attention? Uh, so that's such a good question because the honest truth is I've never been happy with my body. Um, and I get that. So how, do, how does one deal with, oh my God, you've got a great body. I, I, don't, I don't know. I still don't really know how to deal with that. And I, you know, the sadness of that, of the fact that I am not happy with my body, even though I mean, I've never really been as small, I guess, or as slim as I am right now. And yet there's still things that I want. And depending on the day and what I'm going through in my mind, I don't look at mirrors. I just don't do it. It's an abstinence that is good for me. The same as for, to begin with, I, didn't look, I don't look in car windows. You know, that was the obsession. It was like walking down the street, seeing myself and punishing myself for not looking the way I wanted to look but I was never getting there. I am never going to get to be the person physically, thank you, that I, that I believe I want to be because it's all a fantasy. It's not real. Um, and the only, the incredible thing is the way that I'm here is three meals a day and two snacks. That is it. I don't count calories. I don't do macros. That would send me off the edge. I know that's the wonderful thing about this program. Some people count calories. Some people count macros. Some people eat sugar. Some people don't. And that's what I have come to is three meals a day, two snacks. I know what a meal looks like. There are abstinent foods. But that, has lit that literally has kept me pretty much I've been the same for a year and a half now. So that, work that works for me. Um, the attention question, yeah, it's hard because I don't, I haven't liked myself. So for somebody to be like, oh, you look so great, whatever, even now, I'm like, I, I don't know why we talk about that stuff, but that's, that's my stuff. That's my issue. So I don't, I just, again, take a breath and I, I just try and allow in whatever that, whatever that is and then allow it out without having to comment on it. There was a time where I was like, I'm sorry, but um, you can't say that to me. You know, because I didn't want people to talk about my body. Now, that was okay for me then. I don't need to do that now. But I just don't, I don't think it's ever, ever going to go away. It's just, it's just easier to deal with it all through program than through just handing it over. Okay, uh, so how do I not how do I not count calories and stay out of the food is the question, um, and like I was just saying, that's the wonderful thing about the program is that it is so so different. Everybody does something different. So um, you know, thank you for asking what what I do, which is no no, it's absolutely it's a it's a a great question. So 
what I do is, I guess once I got, once I uh, started not binging, once I did that one day at a time, it became easier to stay out of the food. Um, the other thing for me is that I, I know what a plate of food looks like, I know what a meal looks like, and one day at a time, again, I just, I ask God to help me commit to staying out, to staying within my food plan. Um, but it's taken time, like I said, the abstinence has changed. It wasn't three meals a day and two snacks to begin with, it was just, I don't binge today. And that was progress. And it's just grown over time, that, that, that's all. But for me, not having to concentrate on the calories, because that's where my brain goes, is like, okay, what's the next, how many, how many can I take out? If I, it, I'll, I'll manipulate it, that's, that's me. I will manipulate the situation. So this plan for me works, works well, and that, that's how so far. Uh, question is how are things now for me with my family of origin so it's interesting we're very close we're very very close um, so my grandmother died uh, a month ago and she's the one that I'm talking about I sat at a television and, and she would feed, feed me and I had a very close relationship with her and we all did I mean there's only my, my dad has a brother, my mother has no siblings, so it's pretty much, I have two cousins, my sister and I. And the family is obviously growing as generations come, but um, it is tricky because I realized that my habits around food, I went back to be with my grandmother and I hear my mother talking about body weight. She's, she's actually obsessed with like, one of the first things that comes out of her mouth, didn't realize it, was oh, well, they're overweight, or they're underweight, or, you know, something around kind of eating food. So I have told her that I'm in this program. It's difficult for her to understand what that means. You know, like, we were having applesauce the other day with some meat, and I was, we were at a family thing, and she said, and I said to her, it, does it have sugar in? And she just doesn't get it. She was like, um, well, yeah, but not much. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Sure. Well, I'm, I'm actually not going to eat that, but thanks. And she raised her eyes, you know, like, she just doesn't get it. And that is a struggle. Thank you. Because um, I want everyone to get me, you know, going to, the, going to the hardware store for milk is pretty much what I want to do sometimes. However, can I accept my family for where they're at? Can I join them there? Can I stay abstinent? while I join them? Am I more honest with them than I've ever been? Am I more emotionally open than I've ever been? Have I just been through this experience and not eaten my way through it? Absolutely. And there's, there's more gratitude than I can express for that. Thank you. <laughs>